Morning, everyone. I just wanted to say, I did hear someone whoop and cheer when Colin first said I was preaching, so I don't know who that was, but thanks. <laughs> it's just one person, but thanks, whoever that was. Um, so if you've been here the last few weeks, you'll know that we are currently in a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Um, so, so far, we've, this is a quick catch-up in case you haven't been here or not paying attention, um, We've so far looked at the Beatitudes and salt and light and the law versus our hearts and what that looks like. And so when Colin first asked me if I would um, be involved in this series, I I thought, brilliant. I love the Sermon on the Mount. It's great. And straight, I don't know about you, but straight away, I think about the Beatitudes and great, huge fan of those. And so I agreed. And then he gave me my scripture, which I didn't know off by heart. Shame on me. And when I looked at it, I was like, ah, brilliant. I've got murder and anger. How exciting. Thanks very much. So um, fortunately, God has spoken to me loads about it just in the last few weeks. And um, so hopefully that will serve us well this morning. But we are going to start in prayer, if that's okay. Lord God, I just thank you that you are a God who speaks into our hearts, Lord, that you love us for who we are, but you love us too much just to leave us in our brokenness. And so I thank you, Lord, that you have much to say this morning and that you are about uh, a big work in our hearts. So I pray, Lord, would you speak through me this morning and give me the words and the wisdom that I need? And would you open ears and hearts across the body this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. So I am sure it will come up on the screen behind us, but if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 5, 21 to 26. And it says this, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, it's like a Jewish insult, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still together on the way or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown in prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. Wow. So the first time I read that, I was like, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to say about that? So obviously the setup to, to it is that Jesus has talked about our identity our identity in the kingdom, that we are blessed and that we are salt and we are light. And because that's who we are, he now moves on to kingdom behavior and kingdom attitude because our behavior flows from identity. So we've got that bit. We know what our identity is. And now because of that, because we know who we are, this is how we should behave And obviously, this and the coming sections, which also talk about kingdom behavior, which I'm also glad I don't have those ones, um, is it touches on the Ten Commandments, um, but it isn't, it isn't 
Jesus changing the Ten Commandments. He doesn't come in and go, well, you think it was that. Well, actually, I'm going to change it now and it's going to be this. Actually, what Jesus does is he explains God's intention all along for the Ten Commandments. So it's not that he's going, no, now it's different. But, but this has always been God's intention. Um, and you might wonder why he doesn't start with the first commandment. Don't murder is not the first commandment, in case you didn't know. Um, I'm not going to read them all now. Don't worry. But um, actually, this one is one that cuts right to the heart. And perhaps he starts with it because it's relevant for pretty much everyone. So... There's lots we could talk about today. Obviously, there's loads in the scripture. There's loads of different places we could go. But today, we are really just going to focus on anger and reconciliation. And I think most of us can agree that we're happy to say we shouldn't murder. Like, there aren't many people who wouldn't be okay with that one. In fact, when you go through the Ten Commandments, some of them are really challenging. Some of them you go, okay, don't murder. I'm okay with that one for most people. And often we can have the reaction of the Pharisees, which is literally to go, don't murder, check. I'm okay with that, fine. It stops there. But no anger either? That's a bit more challenging, isn't it? Not to be angry. Not to have anger in our hearts. And actually the point is, anger is the the root cause of murder. We get to the point, it doesn't say killing, it says murder. And people get to the point of murder through the root in their heart, which is anger. And what we need to know is that God cares just as much about the root as he does about the fruit. So it's not just about our actions, it's about what we hold in our hearts. Ephesians 4, 26 to 27 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And Ephesians 4.31 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Colossians 3.8 says, But now you you must rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander and filthy language from your lips. So the Bible's pretty clear that unresolved anger is not okay. Which actually is why we need to learn to recognize the condition of our hearts. Because that's where it starts, isn't it? We can have really good theoretical discussions about anger. But it's in recognizing the condition of our hearts. Because unresolved anger and sin and resentment is a sin. I just want to stop there because sometimes we think it's our right and our privilege if we feel like it to be angry at people, to be angry at situations. But actually unresolved anger and resentment is a sin. And like all sin, it destroys us. And we know that from the Bible. We know from the teachings of the Apostle Paul and actually from medical science that bitterness and unforgiveness literally causes ill health. There have been studies done related to um, people's rehabilitation and um, getting over illness and also what causes certain levels of illness in people related to bitterness and unresolved resentment in their heart. 
which is such an incredible thing that it physically makes our bodies sick. But it doesn't just destroy us. It destroys relationships as well. And families. And it definitely destroys churches. And you know what? I actually, a good friend of mine and someone in my family are people that don't speak to their own mums. And like when I, whenever I'm talking to them, I just think, oh, that's so heartbreaking. You, you literally don't have anything. To, and they're both women. And I personally am very close to my mum. And I just think, that's so heartbreaking over something that happened. Over behaviour and fallout. And actually, it just never got resolved. And they literally have nothing to do with their mums. And we see that across families, don't we? Just between siblings between parents and children, across wider family, in marriages. People are married and, and anger and bitterness can creep in and just cause that division. It causes isolation, causes people to take sides. It causes and creates all kind of brokenness. And in churches... People's resentment, people's feelings of being hurt, of being overlooked. And it causes division within churches. Because the thing is, sometimes you can just start off being a little bit hurt and a little bit irritated by someone, can't you? Maybe it's just me. (laughs) But we think we're right at the time. That's the thing sometimes, I think. We genuinely think, I'm right. I'm right about this. I'm justified to feel like this. But whatever the reason is, we don't forgive or we don't recognize our part in it. And anger festers and grows. And sometimes it's a deep hurt from something that's happened to us in our lives. Sometimes it is a small thing that grows into something else, but sometimes for some of us, it's a deep hurt where, we, where something really has happened that has been awful in our lives. And you might be sat there now thinking, how can you possibly say that I should forgive because you don't know what's happened to me in my life? And this isn't trying to downplay any of that or belittle any of that. The thing is, anger and resentment aren't just powerful emotions. They can easily become strongholds in our life. And for many of us, that's exactly what they are. So what's the answer? Like, What should we do about that? Should we just hold it all together, hold it all inside and be nice? Or try, and try to pretend we're not angry. As long as we can keep it all together on the surface, that'll be fine. Should we try harder not to be angry and beat ourselves up when we fail? That's probably my thing. I must try harder. Like I, can, I know I can so easily fall into that thing. I must try harder. And the question is, are we just trying to seem like we're obedient and righteous? Because then it becomes a, external performance versus internal obedience. What do people see? What do people see when they look at me? And actually, religious people are concerned with the external. But God looks at our heart. 
our motives, our thoughts, our attitudes. And if you don't know, Clive and I have two daughters. One of them's right there. <laughs> the other one, Maya, is eight. And I remember last year she was do- she came home from school. She'd been doing RE, and they'd been looking at other religions in RE, and she'd come home um, full of it and wanting to talk all about the religion they'd been doing about that day, how they have to wash all over before they can come to God in worship. And she was totally fascinated by the fact they had to wash inside their nostrils. <laughs> That's the most exciting thing. And I, I remember saying, that's right, Maya, but we don't have to do that. And she said, no, we don't, because God sees our heart. I was, it was just one of those moments where you're like, yes, <laughs> you got it, that's it. <laughs> and that's it, isn't it? God sees our heart. And it was just in that moment of that childlike faith where she knew, actually, this is really interesting, exciting to learn about, but that's not the God that I know. And 1 Samuel 16, 7 said, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So he knows what's in our hearts anyway. Whatever we say, however we try and appear, he knows what's in our hearts. And he wants to transform our hearts. And I was so, so encouraged to read Deb's word and to hear it spoken out last week about um, heart transplants, God wanting to do heart transplants. And I was just really struck by how much that, that ties up with what we're going to be talking about today. Because as God transforms our hearts, it should lead to reconciliation, which God considers so important that it's enough to interrupt worship. That's what it says in the scripture. God tells us to do it now. It's important enough to just stop and be reconciled. We generally as people are procrastinators, aren't we? I don't know. Again, I'm probably talking about myself. We like to put things off. That's important, but I'll do it tomorrow or the next day. And, um, and when I was prepping for today, I was thinking about a time, it was probably, I don't know, I'm not very good at time spans, but it was probably um, a few years ago. And Clive and I were, at the time, overseeing a group of connect groups. And um, one of those was being led by Anne and Jack. I said I wouldn't point at them or make them stand up. They're right there. But don't everyone look at them. Um, and it was in a time before we had terms. So you didn't sign up to lead for a term and then not. And, then, and they'd literally led this group for, I don't even know how long, a long time. Um, And they were in a place of feeling like God was calling them to set it down. And we were trying to meet together just to talk about what that looked like. And they are very busy people. And we are quite busy people. And we never got around to actually meeting up. Um, And they talked to their group and laid the group down. And anyway, one Sunday morning, we were doing, we're about to do communion. And they came over and they just said, guys, we, we were just about to take communion. And we just wanted to check that we're okay. And me and Clive being me and Clive were like, yeah. <laughs> and they said, it's just that there was a lot of confusion with the putting down of the group and we never actually got to meet and we just, we just didn't feel like it was right to do communion without checking that everything was okay between us. And although we were absolutely fine and totally oblivious to that, we so appreciated them coming over. And we actually all did communion together and 
And even when I checked with those guys about sharing it this morning, they were like, I, I don't really remember. But it's actually always struck me that in that, because that's exactly what the Bible says, in that moment where you're about to take communion, check your heart. And if there's anything that you think, I might have offended somebody else, or there might be a problem, go and sort it out, cross the room. And I think it's one of those things that we know, but we don't always do. Go, oh, it'll be okay. But actually, that just had such an impact on me that they wanted to respond to what God was saying, which is be, make sure you're reconciled. And the thing with reconciliation is it's a heart issue as well, isn't it? Because we can go towards another person to be reconciled and not really mean it. And it's a bit like kids, isn't it, sometimes, when you get them to apologize. So <laughs> yesterday, this wasn't even in my thing, but yesterday, Clive and I were teaching and the girls were entertaining themselves. And Maya came in to let me know that Marissa had bit her. It's exciting, isn't it? Great. When I went out to deal with that, Marissa said... <laughs> I accidentally bit Maya. <laughs> I was like, um, I don't think you can accidentally bite. Did you trip? Or so? Anyway, so, and then I said, right, go and say sorry. She sort of stomped over to Maya. Sorry. And, and it just made me think about today and that it's actually quite funny. Sometimes it's not funny when it's your kids, but sometimes it is. And and I teach kids as well and, and have many times had that situation where there's that sort of forced apology that they have to do. But the reality is we can be like that as well. We know what we're supposed to do, that we're supposed to apologize or forgive and be reconciled. So we say the right things, but sometimes we continue to hold that anger and resentment in our hearts. And actually, reconciliation is about abandoning our position of superiority over other people. I just go in, do you know what? I'm just going to go and talk to them. And, and we've got a couple of friends. Who, well, we have more than a couple of friends. <laughs> I think so, anyway, I don't know. But we've got a couple of friends who were very much involved in us coming to Christ. And they, they've been friends for years and went into business together. And... Um, had a fallout and were totally separated from each other. Wouldn't, wouldn't have anything to do with each other. And um, this was years ago. And we've since talked to both of them. We've since seen one of them. They both live in Canada. But um, one of them is just, his heart is towards reconciliation. His heart is towards God and towards just being reconciled as brothers in Christ. And when we met with him, he was like, I've just approached him so many times to be reconciled and just to put everything aside and know that it's not important. Um, and the other one, we haven't seen, but we spoke to on the phone and his heart is just full of bitterness. And you can just hear it in everything he says and everything. He, and he refuses to be reconciled. And it's sad just as a situation for them. It's sad in the kingdom. And it's sad to see what it's done. Like, there's just the contrast of what it's done in their lives. Like, one, so with walking with the Lord and so towards reconciliation. The other one's so full of bitterness. And actually, sometimes I think the truth is we don't want to forgive 
Like sometimes that's the truth. Like if we're really honest and we really examine our hearts, we might go, well, I don't want to forgive that person. And then I think we need to be worried. Like if that's the position of our hearts, we ought to be worried about that. Because anger and unforgiveness aren't just personal issues in us. It affects the whole body of Christ. And that's the examining of our hearts, isn't it? We have to go, where is my heart towards this stuff? And so easily we go, I wonder about that person sat next to me. I think they might have some anger issues. Or I think that person should, yeah. But it's much harder to look at ourselves, isn't it? And say, what about me? To truly examine our hearts and to know where we stand in that. And so how do we do it? Firstly, I'm going to do three points. I felt like that was quite gateway. I don't know, three. Three points. Firstly, to look to Jesus. I mean, that is just our starting point, isn't it? We look to Jesus, not just as an example, although he is an amazing example to us, but look to him because he's defeated anger on the cross and set us free. And we get to live in the good of that. We get to live in the freedom that he's won for us. So we look to Jesus. Secondly, we pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come. Because that cancels out that I must try harder. I must be better. Actually, we say, I can't do this by myself. Holy Spirit, would you come? And lastly, we go quickly towards reconciliation. We don't say tomorrow will do. I'll do it next week. I'll see how I feel. But actually, we go quickly towards reconciliation. And just on that, just before we finish, we're going to play a a short clip of um, a lady called Corrie Ten Boom, who many of you will have heard of. um, She's a Dutch lady who was found to be hiding Jews in their home during the Second World War. And her and her father and her sister were taken to a concentration camp. Um, she's written a couple of books. One is called The Hiding Place, and, but there's also another one called The Tramp for the Lord. And in it, she talks about um, this whole issue of, of forgiveness. And it's such an amazing, amazing way that she describes it. Bearing in mind... It, in the concentration camp, her sister died. And it was just a horrific experience for anyone who was there. And obviously, um, yeah, so this is the clip. She'll do it better than me. So i just be quiet. <clears throat> Can you imagine? I... The thing is, none of us can even imagine what she went through in that place. And then... To be faced with one of the guards who caused so much suffering and for them to ask your forgiveness. I, I, I can't even imagine. And for all the things that happen in all our various lives, I just I can't imagine being in that position. And, yet, and I, what I love about that is I love her honesty. Her honesty is I thought, no, I, I, can't, I can't forgive you. Because that's real, isn't it? Sometimes we feel completely unable to do that. But we don't do it in our own strength. Because that's the point, isn't it? 
It's about, if we could do it all ourselves, then surely Jesus never needed to go to the cross in the first place. And it's challenging, but I think there are people here this morning with unforgiveness in their hearts. Patterns of unbiblical thinking, strongholds. And this isn't a message of condemnation. It's not a burden. But actually, this morning is a call to freedom. Jesus came to set us free. And when we listen to that and, and that power of the Holy Spirit to, to give us the ability to forgive where well, we can't, actually, I believe he wants to do a deep work in us today for strongholds to be broken. And the thing is, with stuff like this, we, we've got two choices, haven't we? When we walk away this morning, we've got two choices. And the choices are those of the wise and foolish builders. We can hear it and choose not to put any of it into practice. Or we can hear it and choose to to put that into practice. And so I love to just have a time of response. And and that's going to look different for everybody. So as we come to respond, I'd just love to finish in prayer and invite the band to come back up, if that's okay. Um, For some of us, it's going to look like crossing the room to people. That's the reality of today, isn't it? Not tomorrow or next week, but the reality is for some of us, it's going to mean crossing the room. Even to do that thing of going, I don't know if I've offended you, but I just want to check over the smallest of things. For some of us, it's going to look like um, coming before God and confessing. We may even have time in the response for communion because communion is that picture, isn't it, of just sharing in what God has done for us and celebrating in who he is. So I'd love to invite you to stand, please. Guys, let's, I'm not going to, you know, just hold out your hands and open your heart. That's what I'd say to you. This is about each of us before God individually this morning. Yeah, Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who sees our hearts. We thank you that we come before you and laid bare, Lord, you know exactly who we are. We thank you, Lord, that you died for each one of us on the cross. And because of that, we can be set free. Even where things seem impossible. Even where strongholds have grown up in our lives, Lord. Things that are impossible with man are possible with you. So I want to pray, Lord God, would you just come. Holy Spirit, would you come this morning. Bring revelation into people's hearts. Bring healing, Lord God. Would you speak truth to each and every one of us this morning? Would you be at work? Holy Spirit, come.